where are we going? What's in it for the client or the consumer? What's in it for me as the employee? And ultimately, if you can kind of solve for those pieces and have the people in your organization truly understand the vision that you have, the mission of the firm, and the values of the organization, and perhaps the purpose, if you understand all of those things and the people in your organization understand it, you're all heading Northeast, right? Welcome to the Women Choosing Growth Podcast, where we feature inspiring stories of success, challenges of growth, and lessons learned from women entrepreneurs, industry experts, and thought leaders who have been through the growing pains inevitable as an entrepreneur. Whether you are just getting started or are looking to scale up your business, our show is designed to provide you with the tools, resources, and community you need to grow your business. Join your host, Tina Sue, a lifelong entrepreneur and business growth advisor, as we explore topics such as marketing, sales, finance, leadership, and personal growth, all tailored specifically to the needs of women entrepreneurs. So if you're ready to grow your business faster and smarter, then this podcast is for you. Thanks for tuning in and let's get started. Today's guest is John Cutton, a Barron's Hall of Fame advisor with nearly 30 years of experience leading and growing a financial advisory practice to over 50 million in gross revenue. Driven by a mission to develop leaders and give back to the financial services industry, John also provides training and consulting services for seasoned practitioners through his consulting entity, Cutton Consulting Group. John's highly skilled at building profitable businesses, but more importantly, John's ability to create leaders who learn the importance of creating a vision, writing plans, measuring the results in order to get what they want both professionally and personally. He speaks and contributes articles and has been featured in a number of publications. But according to John, his focus on leadership and leadership development is the primary contributor to his success across all of his businesses. John will share with us today why leadership is so important, how he trains his people on his team to be excellent leaders. Their mission is actually talks about leadership in their actual company mission. And you will hear by listening to John in our episode today that he really, truly believes this. And obviously, it has made him and his team very successful over the last several years. So listen up today, take some notes. John is going to share some really, really great tips about how to develop leaders and how it can make your business also grow. Our listeners are anywhere from just starting out on their business to potentially in the same shoes as you with this great business, but they're all in growth mode. So I know you have built your practice on, I mean, to have 200 employees or partners is a lot of people to manage. (laughs) And leadership is obviously, for you, has been a key to doing that. So before we get into your, your leadership expertise, Paint the picture for the listeners of how did you get started from you and your idea to be a business owner to where you are today, and maybe even a peek into the future. Sure. Um, well, when I was a young boy, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> just so, yesterday. <laughs> I'll bring you way, way, way back. Um, so 
You know, I'll, I'll go back a little. So I started my business in 1994 and I call it a business because back then I, I really just, you know, graduated college. I, you know, interesting data point. I interned for the same company I now work for while I was in college. Back then it was uh, IDS Financial Services, which became American Express Financial Advisors, which now, of course, is Ameriprise Financial. And I've sat in the same seat uh, for 29 years. So I'm getting old, I guess, but um, it's experienced. Well, I, I like experience. <laughs> yes, experience uh, sounds better than old, but I am both old and experienced. I'm I'm the ripe old age of fifty, so I'm not that old just yet. Me too. Yep. At least are you fifty as well? I will be this year. Okay. See, I I thought you were going to say you were like thirty eight. So look at that. Oh wow, flattery! It works. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but, uh, you know, as I, as I kind of started back in 1994, the plan wasn't be to be a business owner. It was to become a financial advisor and help people make better decisions as it relates to their money. And I'll give you the best cliff note version, uh, that I can, Tina started in 94, built my business cold calling. And that's what you did back in the day. I picked up the phone and I smiled and dialed ultimately quickly. Uh, kind of figured it out. Pretty good at, you know, kind of the sales and marketing like most new business owners are, mm-hmm. right? In order to kind of get to stage one in business, you have to be a hustler, have some grit, right? And probably pretty good at sales and marketing and uh, a lot of passion for what you do. So I'm sure lots of our listeners or your listeners probably have those characteristics to get to where they already are. Um, What was interesting for me, Tina, is the firm that I joined, I was blessed because it was really a very rich leadership culture. I mean, what the firm did back then and to this day uh, is really put a lot of emphasis on leaders developing leaders. And I think you and I could talk a lot about that today. And I think your listeners will find it intriguing. Um, But I got involved in leadership really after my first year. Back then, if you got through your first year and were good enough, you were now anointed a leader. And at the ripe old age of 22, I was leading other newbie financial advisors uh, back in the day. And I had amazing mentors, right? So one of the mm-hmm. reasons, Tina, that you know people like you and I coach is because um, we want to give back. And you know, I was blessed. I wouldn't be the person I am today, the business person I am, and human being, if I didn't meet some really smart mentors along the way, many of which who are still you know, a significant part of my life. And, and, and I owe a lot of the success of our business to them. But I spent um, about seven years in leadership Amazing learnings, amazing experience. Um, but like lots of the listeners, I had the entrepreneurial itch. Didn't really like corporate America and bureaucracy and just kind of thought I could do it better. So um, I decided to leave my safe, salaried leadership position. Mm-hmm. I always kept a small private practice working with clients in the financial planning arena. And I literally resigned. Uh, finished my basement in my old house. Uh, we used to call it the mezzanine level because it just sounded fancier uh, than the basement. And didn't you want? You don't want to bring clients or employees to the basement, uh, sure. so we, we called it the mezzanine. And I like to tell this story like graphically because I could vividly remember my wife saying to me, "I have no problem. I love that you're working from the, ho- the house and you're going to be in the basement." Uh, she called it the basement, by the way. Um, <laughs> 
but I am not having people walk through the front door and no. coming through our house with little babies in the house, walking down the stairs to go see you. So I can remember the bulldozer coming in my backyard and digging out because we didn't have a outside staircase and entry and literally digging out the new door uh, to my mezzanine level. Uh, so we finished the basement. It was me and one gentleman whose name is Evan Brantman, who's still with me today, probably 22, 23 years later. And we started really from scratch. And I mean, Tina, I literally would put a suit on every day and grab my briefcase. I walk out my front door, even though I can get to the mezzanine from the, in, you know, the staircase in the house. I walk down my little stoop. I made a right hand turn on the brick pavers. I opened the gate to the backyard. I walked down uh, you know, the steps. I opened the door and boom, I was in my office. And you know that's a mindset thing, isn't it? Yeah. I just it was Total it was mindset. work. And you know, then I, I've got four boys. My oldest is 23 now and my youngest is 16. So, you know, if you kind of go back then, I probably had two or three kids at the point. They were all little babies and they needed to know dad was going to work and Back then, still today, I was working 60, 70 hours a week. And it was kind of, that was it. You know, I came upstairs through the front door, mind you, have lunch with my wife most days and then, and then walk right back. But, um, you know, the rest, as they say, is history. It was Evan and I, we probably had, you know, 150,000 in revenue back at that point in time. Um, and fast forward, and we can talk about the journey. I, want, I don't want to go on and on about the story, but fast forward today, um, you know, we run a wealth management firm with, like you said, almost a couple of hundred people inside of it. We do, we'll, we're pacing to do 65 million or so in revenue this year. We're, a, you know, we, we serve over 10,000 families, right, nationally uh, by providing financial service, you know, advice and financial planning advice to them. And we've built the business. It's not perfect by any stretch of the imagination, um, but we built a business that I'm very proud of the experience that we provide to our clients and the culture that we've been able to build for the people that work inside of the organization. Yeah, I love that. There's a couple stories in there too of like uh, the first thing of digging the hole in your for your basement. Like when you have an idea and enough drive to be like, I'm going to be my own business owner, but my wife says I can't bring people through the front door. You're like, problem solved. <laughs> I will bring in a bulldozer. So like, don't let the obstacles stop you from meeting your goals. That's like the first thing I heard, even though you weren't saying it, right? Yeah. And then the whole mindset of, um, and I imagine for little kids, because I was the same, I started my business when my kids were, well, when in not even born yet, but for that reason, and they see you go to work, you're setting a whole nother, like we can do a whole nother episode on that, what it teaches our, our children and some of those mindset things. Complete, yeah, complete, completely agree. Yeah. Exactly. So when, um, you know, painting the picture of what you have today, along with all the other service type businesses, like you provide excellent financial advice to people of all walks of life. But when you boil it down, it's a people business. 100%. From the people you're serving and then to have that many people on your team, you can't run a successful business with employees that aren't on the same mission as you and in driving the bus or rowing the boat or whatever analogy people want to use. So that's where like, I want you to share for everyone listening, how do you get hundreds of people on your team to follow you and provide an exceptional service? And then when you think about wealth management or financial advising services, 
that's a service that it's not like someone's coming to your roof and it's a one-time thing. This is a strategic partner where your clients and are like they're giving you your mo- their money, <laughs> like their retirement. Yeah, they're like savings. Yes, it's it's yeah. Uh, yeah, so uh, one of my mentors, Tina, um, has this great saying, and he says, a great uh, financial advisor has the heart of a social worker and the mind of a capitalist, right? And that's something that always stuck with me, and I kind of try to think about that through, you know, through the different cycles of business. So, you know, as you were, you know, kind of sharing some of your thoughts a second ago, one of the things that I've become clearer on as the business has grown, and what I want to do uh, you know, for your listeners and for, you know, for anyone that I can help, quite frankly, um, is just help them learn from the mistakes that I made. So I've made lots of them in 29 years. I've messed it all up. Um, but the way you learn generally is by making mistakes. So I'll hit you with what I think are probably three or four really interesting pieces of information um, that I've discovered through lots of my own kind of adult learning uh, that might be good talking points for us today based on our previous conversation. So one is I alluded to this a minute ago, right, Tina? So when you think about it, there's to me, there's different phases of business growth. And this is how I look at it. It doesn't make it right, but this is uh, how I look at it. And the first phase of business growth is probably how do you get from zero to about a million dollars in revenue? Right. Yep. And from zero to a million dollars of gross revenue is about grit. It's about hard work. It's about believing in yourself. It's about sales skills and it's about marketing. I mean, the reality of it is you just got to gut it and work harder and believe in yourself. And that's why most businesses fail is most people don't have enough belief in themselves or enough fortitude to get through that hard part. For me, it took about five years to get there, right? Until I did a million in revenue, which was pretty quick, right? Um, but it took me maybe even six years as I think about it. But I would call that phase one. I like it. Phase two for a lot of businesses. And again, every business, I think the concept will be the same, whether it be zero to a million or zero to 500,000. I think the, the income range is based on whether you sell financial services or whether you sell houses, right? Uh, right. You know, might or widgets, which might or be Or widgets, yeah. right. Or you could sell something that's a nickel or you could sell something that's you know $10 million per unit as an example. But when I think about it in the service business of professional services, right? Um, from a, a million, in my opinion, probably to... 7 million or so in revenue. It's all about the delivery of experience, right? So it's actually having a repeatable process and a ultimate end product that the market really likes because it has to start to grow through word of mouth and it just can't be anymore by your grit and your marketing and your, you know, your perseverance. It has to be because other people are telling mm-hmm. their friends and family about your widget or your wealth management business or your coaching business or the you know medical practice that you run or whatever it may be. And it, it's really about having an amazing deliver, delivery of that service um, client experience or process, right? And then from say, you know, 5 million plus or 7 million plus, it all becomes through the scalability, right? Of my, in my opinion, of either money, 
being able to invest in your business, probably all of these things in most businesses, it's money, it's people or human capital. And then lastly, it's technology, depending on the type of business that you run, right? So you you have to be able to grit through it to a million, million to let's say 7 million. You have to actually perfect what it is you do so it's referable and it expands without marketing and so much effort. It's always effort. You always have to market, but word of mouth will be part of your growth trajectory. And then once you've got that, the only way to scale it is to scale it through people, through money, and through technology. And you know, from our conversations earlier, Tina, I think the piece that we wanted to focus on today is through people, and people need to be led. And leadership, to me, the definition of leadership is the ability to influence someone to do something that they would not do without you. And what I've really tried to do in my own kind of personal growth from that perspective is become a real student of leadership and ultimately become a true servant leader where I can become valuable enough that people can live inside of the vision that I've created for the firm, that my vision is big enough for my almost 200 people to get what they want for themselves in the vision and believe that I am a conduit and the firm that I've built is a conduit and the people inside of it to stack the odds in their favor to actually reach their own goals. I love it. And if I could recap those those kind of three steps or three levels, if you will, like that second one, I think, is where capacity comes in. You're saying you need to be able to, it's not you walking with your briefcase anymore, yes. knocking on that client's door down the street. Like that's the scalability, not so much scalability of the business, but scalability of like, that's when the people start coming in, right? Because you have to have the systems to be able to teach the next person to like, go do it. Because otherwise, that's where some businesses get stuck. They're, they're a one-person or a two-person show. And without that second growth stage, that's where they get stuck. Yeah, you, you have to be able to scale it through others, right? And be able to um, build a process. Whether Again, if you make widgets, it's getting the process right that the widget is so well-made with your machinery and that it's so efficient that the product that the consumer gets is so good that they go, I got to tell my brother about it or my sister about it or my neighbor about it. And other people start buying it because the process is good. In my business, it's the client experience. It's the way we manage assets. It's the delivery of advice. And there's only so many people, families that I can do that for personally. So if I build a system and a process that I can have five financial advisors do that at scale and delight the client, word will spread and there will be some level of organic growth, which then will create a whole other set of problems, which is how do we deal with that growth, which is, again, money, people, and technology. Um, so it kind of all ties together you know, when you think about it in those terms. So when we think about that that middle growth or the start of expanding on the people side of things, you know, I you've known that I'm a very visual person. Listeners know that too because I like to paint the picture. But as I was saying about having all the people on the bus, businesses, and I've met some of them, have pretty large people, large staff on the bus, but not all headed or faced in the same direction or even the rowers, right? We got people in the boat, but not everybody's rowing. Some are rowing backwards, some are rowing left, some are rowing right. So with the leadership, if I'm hearing you right, leadership is getting everyone on whatever your vessel is to be looking at 
you are the vision of the company at the head of the vessel and driving towards that. Is that is that leadership in a visual standpoint to you? Yeah, I do. I, I, I completely agree. I think that is um, a very, very big part of leadership. And um, I like to say it's kind of Northeast. Uh, like if you think about it as a, we're going to head Northeast, it's helping people understand what Northeast actually is, right? Like where, where are we going? What's in it for the client or the consumer? What's in it for me as the employee? And ultimately, if you can kind of solve for those pieces and have the people in your organization truly understand the vision that you have, the mission of the firm, and the values of the organization, and perhaps the purpose, if you understand all of those things and the people in your organization understand it, you're all heading Northeast, right? Mm -hmm. And no one's going to ever, I shouldn't say no one, but most employees or business partners aren't going to see things exactly the way you see things. But if they are, hey, I, I support what Tina's saying, 90%, I love where we're going and the value that we provide. They could jump on board. And it's interesting. I study this stuff and, um, you know, have coaches who've taught this to me over the years. You know, there's been studies, I'll butcher the this, this statistics, right? But, you know, firms that have vision, mission, and values that are clearly communicated to their team mm -hmm. have something like 400%, don't quote me on the statistic, statistic more employee engagement than firms that don't, right? Oh, I believe that. Yeah. So if you think about that for a minute and you say, I have three employees or I have 30 employees, or I have, in my case, almost 200 employees, imagine the return on investment, right? Of leadership. If you can be that leader and connect people to the vision, mission values of your business, What's the return to get 400% more engagement from your people, right? In order, and when I say 400% more engagement, it means 400% more of the people are engaged. So instead of having 200 employees and having 50 of them fully engaged, I have a, you know, in that case, it would be 200 of them fully engaged, which is probably nearly impossible. But most employees, and th this is just an interesting, you know, kind of uh, concept. We're talking to a bunch of business owners, right? So you're talking to a bunch of business owners. You think about it. Where's your frustration? You've got this vision. You know where your company's going, um, and you ultimately have to begin to do that dirty word called delegate, right? Or not control everything on your own. So hard. Whole episode on that. It's, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's really, really interesting. We can go. You know, I love the saying, right? You can either go a mile wide, right? Um, mm -hmm. Or you can go an inch wide and a mile deep. So we, you lead me on on how deep you want to go on subjects. I'm happy to talk about any of these in more detail. But what most businesses are, right, is they're a high-paying job, okay? Because they never become a real business. It's just someone who is really good at what they did. That for me, it was like to be a financial advisor. For you know, a doctor, they like to help people. For an artist, they like to paint pictures, right? As an or art, I should say. So, but most never go from just a really high-paying job, make a great living. You have a couple of people who might support you and help you with some of the delegatable tasks in your business, the mundane tasks that I call it, you know. In today's world, it's probably $20 an hour work. It used to be $10 an hour work, right? Right. Yeah. Um, 
But all you really have there is a is a great job that makes a lot of money doing something that you like to do. Um, but when you build a true enterprise or business, the operation runs itself and you just need to kind of lead it and spin it, right? So when you just think about all that, Tina, to kind of tie it together, mo- that's where I find most businesses get stuck. And the reason most businesses get stuck is because you learned how to be a great financial advisor or doctor or artist, but there's no class or coursework to learn how to be a great leader. It's not why you got so good at doing whatever it is you did that you had more business than you can handle, but now you have these other humans that work inside of your organization that you pay money to, and you probably feel like I do at times and did for years that they just keep letting you down, that they don't get it. They don't understand your vision. They don't work hard enough. They don't know the right systems and processes. They can't sell the way that you did. They can't see things that you see. They show up late. They're not prepared. And you just want to bang your fist on the table, right? More and more and have a nervous breakdown, pull the hair out of your head. Why? Because the frustration is it's not them. And this is a hard thing to swallow as a business owner and leader, but it's you, right? So I stole this, almost everything I, I say is stolen. So uh, R&D, rip off and duplicate. <laughs> yes, exactly. I add my own little uh, New York uh, accent to it, I guess. But um, but I stole the saying, and it's, it's the leader, it's the leader, it's always the leader. So when you think about leadership, right? Self-awareness is, in my opinion, the key to being a great leader, right? Which is, what what am I good at? What am I not good at? What am I not giving to my people and taking the responsibility that if this is my business, it's up to me and only me to help my employees bring my vision to life. If they knew exactly what to do and they were you, they wouldn't be working for you. I'll say it again. If they knew what to do and they had all your drive and all your ambition and, you know, all of your intellect and everything and not to say many of my employees are a lot smarter than I am and they're better at certain things than I am, but they didn't choose the path to go start their own business from scratch and work 80 hours a week and right and be as crazy as most business owners are to build a level of success that many of your listeners have. So there's a reason that they're not as committed as you are, okay? And ultimately, it's up to you to ultimately figure out how to help them ultimately do that. So why I'm on a tangent here, Tina, I want to add two or three other thoughts, okay? Um, A dear friend and mentor of mine used to describe a story, and I love stories. When he was a young buck in in American Express, the company actually, you know, the CEO, he was an executive, I'm sorry, a manager in training at a fairly large level. And the CEO of American Express would address the leadership team on a monthly basis. And you'd go into New York City and you'd go to this, you know, big, beautiful American Express building and you sit in the huge, you know, boardroom, really impressive. And the CEO at the time of American Express was a gentleman by the name of Harvey Gollum, who many of your listeners have probably heard of, uh, amazing leader. And every single time he spoke to the group, the way my mentor explained it to me, he told the vision, the mission, and the values of the organization. And 
my mentor's name is Ray and Ray tells the story and he said, man, he'd come on stage and I'd turn to the person sitting next to me and say, man, Harvey needs a new speechwriter." <laughs> Every single month, he says the, the darn, the exact same things. And Ray taught me this concept of 10 times, right? And 10 times is you have to communicate important things in your business 10 times more than you think you should. Because the words that you say and all the time that you think about your company is not common for the people who work for you. When they go home, they're done for the night. Hate to tell you, right? They're going to their kids' t-ball game and dance class and doing whatever it is that they're going to do, spend the time with their husband or their wife or, you know, or their significant other. Um, they're not dreaming about your vision. And the more that you repeat it, the more likely that they're going to actually begin to believe it and therefore help you bring it to life. Yeah, I think it's just like marketing, right? You have to see, you don't just see one ad typically and go out and buy the thing. Like you have to see it multiple times. Are you an accomplished woman business owner with a story to tell? Do you crave a platform where you can share your journey, the good, the bad, and the ugly? Hey, everyone, it's Tina here. If you're fans of the show, then you know we are a show that celebrates the strengths and resilience of women entrepreneurs just like you. As we're getting this podcasting community going, I thought it would be fitting to an extended invitation to apply to join me as a guest on our Top 100 podcast platform. I started Women Choosing Growth because I believe that real growth happens when we come together and share our expertise and our experiences. We want to hear your inspiring stories, the challenges you face, and the lessons you've learned on your entrepreneur journey. Whether you've triumphed over adversity or faced setbacks head on, your story has the power to inspire and empower other women just like you. This platform is for you to showcase your achievements, highlight your expertise, and create meaningful connections within our community. So if you're a fearless woman business owner, unafraid to open up about your path to success, we want you on our show. Go to www.womenchoosinggrowth.com and join our community. From there, you'll be given the chance to fill out the short application. If you believe that you have a story to share, then why not? Once again, it's www.womenchoosinggrowth.com. I can't wait to feature more amazing and talented women in this community. Now, back to the show. Let me ask you this. If you had to, I mean, all, all of what you shared is, is brilliant. Um, and I think even, even established leaders need to be reminded of some of those things, and especially looking at themselves first. Because like, you can say it, I have an episode about when I was a leader and had people peeing in my pool. Hmm. So. Clearly, I was part of the issue. Yep. Some people we just can't train, but there was steps that I could have done to make that differently. So I think that's the a hard piece as a leader for sure. If you had to kind of put it in a box and teach it, what are some of the things to look for or what are the things that people must do from a leadership standpoint? Or is there phases or levels? Like what? Sure. Yeah. What should people be looking for as a leader right now? No, great, great question. So I would, I would look at it this way. If, if I look back at all the mistakes I made and if I could, if I started a brand new business today and said, well, okay, 
I'm starting a new business, we're selling widgets, and I'm building out a whole leadership culture. Um, you know, what would I do? Um, so the first thing I do um, truly is I would do one of two things. I would either go hire a coach who is a leadership expert. That is literally the first thing that I would do. I have a leadership coach that coaches my entire organization. We spend, I don't mind sharing, a couple bordering on a few hundred thousand dollars a year to provide leadership coaching to the people in the organization. Um, you know, Tina, you're someone even that I rely on for coaching as well, personally to a level. Second thing I would do is I would say, um, I, I am a huge advocate of the EOS system, the entrepreneurial operating system that I know you're familiar with and some of the coaches uh, that you've uh, worked with uh, actually utilize. So EOS um, is, there's a book called Traction, which is a great read that kind of uh, explains the EOS system. That's the chassis that we use inside of our business to operate. And really what it is, you know, just think about the title of the entrepreneurial operating system. What it is, is it's a system to teach entrepreneurs how to run a business because most entrepreneurs have not built a system and process. So none of it, in my opinion, is anything that you haven't heard before or common sense, but it puts it into a book and a format with names and forms and processes that just make it easier to adapt. And what I find helpful is if you bring in a profit from the outside, whether it be a coaching company or whether it be a book, right? It's different than it coming directly to you, to your follower who sees you every single day. So you kind of have guardrails that you're all working on to level the playing field. So the first thing I'd say is hire a coach or use the entrepreneurial operating system. The second thing I would say is create, and this is part of the EOS and most, most coaching systems, is to get very clear on your vision, your mission, your values, and your purpose. Um, be very thoughtful. I heard people tell me this for years, and I was—I heard the old Charlie Brown, wah, 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 wah. <laughs> like, I don't need that vision, mission, value stuff. It's all BS, people hanging on their walls. And, and right, and until I started to really embrace it, and they have a saying, right, you know, where when the student is ready, the teacher arrives. When I got frustrated enough with my business, and I said, all right, I can't do it all on my own. I'm going to hire a coach. And the coach really impressed the things I am impressing on your listeners right now, right? Have a system. Um, he defines a system, by the way. If you're not driving, it's a, really, it's a really good thing to write down. System is a process in which you do not take discretion at the operating level. A system is a process where you do not take discretion at the operating level. What does that mean in English? This is how we do it here. It's painting by numbers. We delight the client this way. We make the widget this way. I always like to use McDonald's, right? For those who are about our age, if I asked you what's in a Big Mac, you would say it's two all beef patties, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions on a sesame seed bun, right? I thought you were going to sing that, John. <laughs> all beef patties, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions on a sesame seed bun. There you go. It's my best effort. Thank you. Um, but, uh, but you get what I mean, right? That's a process. And if you went into a McDonald's. And it's in our head. Yeah. What would happen? 30, 40, 50 years later, we still know it. And how do you build that in your own business, right? So if you, if you went to a McDonald's, 
and there was a, you know, it was a pretzel bun, which would probably be delicious. It was one patty. It was Swiss cheese and there were pickles, no onions, and there was mayonnaise on it. You'd say, well, that's not a Big Mac. It might've been delicious, nope. but it's not actually a Big Mac. Um, so don't take discretion at the operating level. The third piece that I would hit, Tina, is, right, so getting, again, you know, there's a process to summarize. Get a coach or use EOS or a combination of both works best, in my opinion. Uh, two, have vision, mission, values, really understand them and make your decisions in accordance with what that vision, mission, values are. And then lastly, um, have common communication in your business. Learn tools and tactics, right? Tools and tactics so that the people in your organization, you have a way to communicate leadership and create a feedback loop that is safe for the environment, that everybody understands that it is simply we're using the feedback loop, right? That we've created so that we have communication inside of the organization. And if you can do that, then without communication, you cannot have success. If you can't tell your people what you want in a way that they'll hear it, then they won't get better. And what I find is for a lot of newer leaders and sometimes more experienced leaders, they have a hard time communicating. Um, they, They do one or two things, right? You could either as a leader, be a connector or a director, right? Connectors just say, hey, Tina, you're doing a great job and thank you for coming to work today and you're so nice and you're amazing and I love you and let's go grab you know a cup of coffee together because we're friends, right? The style of leadership. Another style of leadership is, hey, Tina, um, you're late again. You're no longer working here and Tina, uh, you're better than this and you got to get me that report by you know, Monday morning or else, right? The old kind of command and control. Dictator. Yeah, yeah, dictatorship. And, you know, the best leaders have a little of both. And obviously I'm exaggerating on the delivery of- uh, but it, The extreme of both, yeah. right? There's, it's in the middle. <laughs> it, exactly right. So, you know, as I think about it, would it be okay if I gave you a couple of examples of kind of common tactics that I've learned that we use in the organization to create communication? Absolutely. Okay. This is my probably my favorite thing to talk about and something that if you asked anyone in my organization to explain what the five levels of leadership are, mm-hmm. every person from my receptionist to my most senior person um, with detail would be able to tell you what the five levels of leadership are um, and ultimately help you define where someone is as a level of leader. So. And and I and I have a little graphic on this that I can later, Tina, if you'd like, make available to you, and and we can help make available to your listeners. Absolutely. We'll so, and some of you might get this confused. John Maxwell is a very well known coach, and he has something called the five levels of leadership. This is a different five levels of leadership. Although Maxwell's is amazing as well. So it's really simple. And here's how it goes: it goes what a level one leader can do, Tina, is really simple. If told what to do, they can get the job done. Okay. That's what a level one leader could do. You work for me, Tina. I need you to go make me, you know, put together a proposal or scan something or set an appointment or confirm an appointment. You can complete that task. If I give that to you with some level of specificity, you can go get that done. 
what a level two leader can do is they can do the same thing a level one leader could do, right? They can get the job done if told what to do, but they could also identify a problem. Okay. So if you have a level two leader in your culture, most businesses are filled with lots of level twos, right? Hey, Tina, I can't get you that report by tomorrow because I am so busy and I have a pile of work on my uh, desk right now because there's so much to do and the systems here are so slow. Hey, Tina, um, I just wanted to let you know that your three o'clock canceled. I don't know why so many meetings are canceling, but that's our fourth cancellation this week. Okay. Level twos. So what a level two can do is they can see a problem. They can actually go, hey, this isn't right. This, this isn't going to work. There's something broken in the organization. That's what a level two is. So level one, told what to do can get a job done. Level two can do what a level one could do. But in addition to that, they can actually identify a problem. And what a level three leader could do is they could do the same things a level one and a level two could do, but they can also solve the problem. And let me tell you, Tina, we love level threes, right? So a level three comes and says, hey, Tina, I noticed that you had three meetings canceled over the last week. So what I did is I actually put together a confirmation letter and I emailed it to the client three days before. And then I made a reminder in my client, uh, in my CRM system, my client relationship management system to make a phone call um, the day before as an extra reminder as well. I did it about two weeks ago and I noticed that our appointments now have a 93% conversion ratio. Ooh. Problem solved. <laughs> that's a valuable employee, yes. right? That's so that's what a level three leader can do. Okay. And other examples of solving problems. The printing machine, the copy is broken. I fixed it. I called, I called the company and they actually came and fixed it without here's the key, without your involvement. I know. I'm I'm picturing when I got to that point and it was painful up until I had level three le leaders. Yes. It, it just but it's, almost gave me like hives rethinking it. <laughs> yeah, it's without your involvement. So if I'm saying, hey, Tina, copy machine's broken. Could you do me a favor? Can you call Joe from the copy machine repair place and make sure that Joe sends someone over to get that fixed? Um, not very level three. I had to solve the problem. But if all of a sudden... I didn't even know the copy machine was broken. And two days later, someone said, hey, Joe from Joe's copy machines, great. The machine was broken and within 45 minutes, it was back up and running and there was no problem in the business. Man, that's value, right? Huge. <laughs> yeah, and, and we love level threes. And the goal for every business is should to have no one in the business after a period of time who's below or level three. That's the standard. If you have level threes, you can grow a great big business. People can solve problems. Now, what a level four leader does, Tina, same stuff, right? What a level one can do is uh, when told what to do, get the job done. What a level two can do is ultimately identify a problem. What a level three could do is they could solve the problem, which is amazing. And what a level four can do is they can not only do all the things a level one through three can do, but they can also rally a group of people around a common cause i.e. solving the problem. So what that looks like is there's a confirmation, uh, there's an appointment sticking issue. The appointments aren't sticking, right? And Tina, you happen to have 10 salespeople in your organization that see clients. And Mary in your office, who is an employee, 
found that there was a problem with your appointment sticking. And what Mary did is Mary went to the other three people in the organization that are also responsible for the other nine salespeople. And Mary got the team together and said, hey, guys, I've seen this problem. Our uh, stick ratio has been really low. I built this summary letter. I'm sorry, this confirmation letter. I built a script on what to say when you call the client. And what I found is that if you, three days before, send this email and the day before make this phone call and you document that in the CRM system to make sure that we actually did it, and I created this spreadsheet to track it all to make sure that it happens, that I'd love for you, if I can help you, to just indulge me and put it all in there. I think we can actually change this for the organization and our appointment ratios will go up. And I think that'll be really good because I think we'll sell more widgets. If it's okay, I'd like to meet with each of you once a week and help you put this in place. I think it'll be really good for all of us. Will you guys help, allow me to help you with that? Mm-hmm. Listeners are getting goosebumps right now, hopefully, right? Going, yeah. oh my God. They're like, how do we find those? <laughs> and that's what I need. And that's what I want. And what would happen to my business how many, you know, if I had that? And then lastly, what a level five leader could do, Tina, is all the things a one through four can do, right? So, and by the way, the reason I keep going back to number one is because if I say it 10 times more than you think, just so you know, by the end of it, our listeners will actually be able to repeat it, right? And then, and then it becomes part of their muscle memory. So a level one, when, when given a job, can get the job done, right? When told what to do. Level two could identify a problem. Level three can solve the problem. Level four can influence a group of people around a common goal, i.e. solving the problem. And what a level five could do is it can do all of the same things that we just shared. But in addition to that, it can actually do two things. One, it could tie everything back to the vision, mission, and values of the organization for the people that they lead. And they could develop what you just said, very interestingly, Tina, more level fours and fives. So they actually have the ability to develop more level fours and fives inside of the business. And if you can do that, your business begins to, you know, really scale at a great rate. So I know we're getting a little tight on time. So two things I wanted to share and then, um, you know, would love it, love to go deeper if, in anything that you'd like. So one is I play this game with the people who work in our organization. We call it the freeze game, right? And the freeze game is freeze, think about your thinking. So I want you all to freeze. If you're driving, don't freeze. Keep, keep your eyes on the road, <laughs> right? But I want you to freeze and think about what you're thinking about right now. And what you're probably asking yourself is a couple things. One is you're thinking, what am I? Am I a level one? Am I a level two? Am I, I think I'm a level four or five. Am I a level four or five, right? And the second thing that I'd ask you to ask yourself the question too is how many level fours do I have in my organization other than me if I myself are one, Okay. And if you think about it in those terms, earlier we talked about self-awareness being one of the most important, if not the most important part of leadership. So if you play the freeze game and are honest with yourself, if, you, if you're not sure if you have another level four in your business, or if you yourself are a level four, then you're not a five. Because the only way you become a five is if you developed a three or a four, a, a four or a five yourself, Right. Um, so ultimately, as you play that freeze game, what we do in the organization and what I think about is my job is to ultimately just develop as many level fours and fives in the organization 
and not allow anyone who can't be and I can't help become, along with my team, a level three. And if I could fill an organization with a ton of level threes, fours, and just a couple of fives, the amount of scale that we can create is unbelievable. And the other thing I would just share there, and then I'll give you the the, the conch back, is um, I'm passionate and love talking about this stuff, as hopefully the listeners can hear, because I, I really think it's, a, it's the key, right? So the two things I want to say is, one, when you think about it, you could either develop the talent in your organization, once you yourself are a four or five yourself, or you can buy it. And that's where resources come into play, right? So what I've been able to do as the business scaled, I had to develop all the level three, and it takes time. You can't develop someone to be a level three, four, or five in six months, maybe a level three, but a four takes, a, it takes years. It takes a while Experience. and yeah. studying of leadership. But when you have a certain amount of profitability in the business, what you can do is you can buy fives. You can go buy someone else. And that's why I think coaching is so important. Like Tina, you're a five when it comes to leadership, right? Um, and helping business owners grow. So, you know, there's a Dan Sullivan, who's the strategic coach, who's one of my favorite people to read and listen to. He wrote a book that's called Who, Not How. Yes. Right. Great book. Which is a fancy, yeah, it's an amazing read. And really what it gets down to, it's a kind of like a dirty word for delegation. People don't like to delegate because it just sounds like, it, you know, kind of, you, what do you delegate? You delegate unimportant things. Like you don't need to do that. It's $10 an hour work. But who not how is saying, hey, I'm not that great at developing leaders, but Tina is amazing at it. So I'm going to hire her because that's what she loves to do. That's her unique value proposition and her best seat in the bus. So if I don't have one or I'm not it, I'm going to get Tina to do right? Same thing with marketing. I'm not the best marketer in the world. I hate social media and technology. So, But my firm's pretty good at it, not because I'm good at it, but because I hired a really smart person who they're my who. I don't need to know how. I just need a who who can bring my vision and add to my vision and ultimately bring that to life. So those th that was a lot. I went probably deeper than I wanted to, and I will give you the conch back. <laughs> I think it was all great. I, I um, th That is the first that I've heard of those five levels. But as you were saying them, it is definitely like I was walking myself through that journey as a one lady show had no idea how to run a business to my first couple hires to my first couple support people or leaders. And man, I had, I had some twos for a long time. <laughs> and honestly, it was when I surrounded myself with a support group of mentors and other uh, business owners that developed my own leadership that I was like, enough is enough. I need some more threes, fours, and ultimately learned how to develop the fours and fives. So yeah, I was walking myself through that journey. For people who are just it's somewhere on that journey, um, I, I often hear like, well, I can't quite afford a four or a five, or how do I know when I should be getting a four or five if they're smaller? Yeah. Is there a simple answer to that? I mean, what, what I would say to that is um, afford is a funny word, right? So for most businesses, you probably can't afford to go hire one because I, I think a, a four like a real, if, if you're a four and I can bring you directly into my organization, you're a quarter million dollar plus, you know, salary, right? Probably more, yep. right? Expensive. Fours are worth a lot of money because they can influence people. But 
the, the key is if you can learn how to develop and incubate them because you build a leadership development culture inside of your organization, they don't cost much because you've created it, right? So I've got, you know, so Tina, you've got to meet uh, Scott on my team, just as an example, recent relevant example. Scott's a three and a half on his way to a four. And Scott doesn't cost me all that much money, right? Because I got Scott when he was a young guy and didn't have the experience. Now he will be really successful in my organization and I've got big plans for him. He's going to run a lot of things and he already is, but it's way more valuable to me because I didn't have to pay him for what he was. I was able to create him or help create him because of the ecosystem that we built. And that's what leadership is. Like our vision uh, is an interesting one. When you talk about vision, mission, values, you know, our vision statement is that cut and wealth management is not only a Barron's Hall of Fame practice, but we're known industry-wide as a supercharged leadership development factory. We develop level five leaders. And that's what we do. We're, we're a culture of leaders developing leaders. And, uh, you know, almost 200 people in my organization could verbatim repeat the vision statement that I just gave you because I communicate it way more than 10 times more than I should. And that's who we've now become. And it all started to make it relevant with Evan, who worked for me in my lower level 20 years ago. And it took me 15 years to get Evan to become a level four leader. When I mentioned Scott before, it's going to take me less than three. Why? I developed, we've built systems around it, and we don't take discretion at the operating level for a key initiative in our business, which is leaders developing leaders. I love it all, John. And I know you and I could talk for hours on, yes, <laughs> on leadership because yes. we, yes. yeah, we both love it. Um, how can listeners, if, if they want to learn more and hear more of, of your expertise on this, how can they, how can they follow along? I know you want to share your podcast too. Sure. Happy to. So, um, so I have a, a podcast that is really designed for financial advisors, but many of the episodes are just like this. They're leadership driven and they are business building ideas. So some might not be relevant to the listeners if they're not financial advisors, but I'd say a third of them are information like this, where I might be interviewing a leadership guru or talking about leadership. There's a, a good one we've done on uh, going deeper on the five levels of leadership, as an example, or EOS. Uh, and the name of that podcast is Quantum Growth for Financial Advisors. And um, if you just Google me, you know, my name. We'll put the link in. Yeah. Uh, you can find me. And if any of your listeners have any questions or they'd be interested in more info about five levels of leadership, I, as I said, we've got a little PDF that we'd be happy uh, if someone sends us their email address, we'd be happy to email it over and go from there. And you can find me right through my website or my email address is uh, John, J-O-N, at CuttonConsultingGroup.com. Another reason you are a unique, unique guest because it's not J-O-H-N, it's J-O-N. <laughs> we try to always be unique. <laughs> be unique. <laughs> John, I think one other um, you know, passion of mine, as you know, is when business owners are getting successful and, be, and are successful, one of the things I see a lot of business owners not do well is to tie their personal goals to their um, business goals. So if we do have listeners who want to know more of the financial side of things um, and get some of your expertise on what they should be doing with their success, how would they reach you? 
Nope. Thank you. Yeah, that would be great. I'd love to help if I can, even if it's just a quick question. Uh, so the name of my wealth management Cutton, uh, company is Cutton Wealth Management. Um, and if you just Google that, we'll come right up. We're a Barron's Hall of Fame practice and you know one of the larger uh, independent practices in the country. And one of the places we specialize is working with small business owners, uh, helping them with planning for the business, retirement planning, buy-sell agreements, risk management, all of those type of things. So if we could be a resource, we'd be happy to help any of your listeners with that as well. Love that. And those things you just listed are things I often see are missing, even in the most successful business owners we work with. It's those things like buy-sells and key person insurance and yeah. Yep. The business owner, the shoemaker shoes, so busy, right? Running a business and running around yeah. that we forget to plan for our own family's future, which, uh, which we see a lot with business owners. Yes, absolutely. Well, thank you very much for your time today, John. I think it was super um, valuable and anyone, no matter where they're at on their journey of being a business owner can have some takeaways from what you shared. Awesome, Tina. Nope. Thanks for having me. It was fun. Sorry to talk your ear off. And uh, to the listeners, I hope hope you got at least one good takeaway and um, I hope it was helpful. So have a great day, everybody. Thanks again for the opportunity. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please be sure to hit subscribe on your favorite podcast platform so you never miss an episode. The Woman Choosing Growth Show is not just another podcast. It's a tribe of women helping each other grow. So please, Share this podcast with all the women entrepreneurs that you would love to see succeed. If you'd like to know more about customized business advising through Cultivate Advisors, download business tools, or sign up for upcoming events, visit www.womenchoosinggrowth.com. Once again, that's www.womenchoosinggrowth.com. Remember, we are in this together. See you on the next one.